The Hamlet Podcast, episode 114. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. Here we are. We have reached the conclusion of Act 3, Scene 4, and thereby the conclusion of Act 3 in its entirety. Don't despair, though. There are a whopping seven scenes coming up in Act 4 and at least as many lines in Act 5, so we have, let's say, another 18 months to go on this journey through the play. For now, we've just had Hamlet still hovering between madness and lucidity, warning his mother not to be like a witch, not to tell Claudius anything, and certainly not to be like the famous ape that jumped off a building and thought it could fly. Gertrude agrees quite emphatically. Be thou assured, if words be made of breath and breath of life, I have no life to breathe what thou hast said to me. Fair enough, she won't breathe a word of what she's said. In the first quarto, we get an even stronger agreement. In that older text, Hamlet asks her to assist with his revenge, and she says she will conceal, consent, and do my best what stratagem soe'er thou shalt devise. Shakespeare now makes a little bit of a leap. Hamlet's next line is a surprise somewhat. He says, I must to England, you know that? Now, we in the audience know this, because we've heard Claudius planning it. But how does Hamlet know? It's not the only time that Shakespeare allows a character to intuit something like this. He takes license on the basis that we know it, and there's not much to be gained by showing how the character actually learns it. Although I have seen at least one production wherein Hamlet figures it out by finding a letter in Polonius's pocket with all the relevant information. Gertrude does indeed know about the England plan, but she had forgotten in the heat of the moment. She says, Alack, I had forgot. Tis so concluded on. Hamlet now explains to his mother what he's planning to do. There's letters sealed, and my two schoolfellows, whom I will trust as I will adders fanged, they bear the mandate. They must sweep my way and marshal me to knavery. Let it work, for tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard. And it shall go hard, but I will delve one yard below their minds and blow them at the moon. Oh, tis most sweet, when in one line two crafts directly meet. This man shall set me packing. I lug the guts into the neighbour room. Mother, good night. Indeed, this counsellor is now most still, most secret, and most grave, who was in life a foolish prating knave. Come, sir, to (laughs) draw toward an end with you. Good night, mother. Hamlet confirms that the plan is sorted, the letters are sealed, and his two schoolfellows, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, will bear the mandate, or the instructions. They are in charge, and therefore they must sweep his way, or be responsible for the trip, and indeed marshal him to knavery. They might even have some hijinks planned for Hamlet in England, leading him astray at Claudius's behest. But for all that, he will trust them as much as he would trust a rattlesnake, or a fanged adder. He hasn't trusted them from the moment they appeared, and he's not about to start now. But, he says, let it work. Let them do their worst. Tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard. This line has become famous for being an obscure phrase with a clear idea, but none of whose words are really used without each other in any kind of modern usage. Hamlet is maliciously entertained at the idea of a bomb maker, or engineer, blown up by his own bomb or, by extension, any evildoer who is foiled by their own evil deeds. It is worth bearing in mind here that Hamlet doesn't mean engineer in our modern sense of the word. 
petard is a medieval word derived from a French eruption of intestinal gas for a homemade bomb. Even in an imagined explosion, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are reduced to the least efficient and least elegant outcomes. Hamlet is way ahead of them, and therefore it shall go hard for them. He says that he will delve one yard below their minds and blow them at the moon. Continuing the image of the bombs and the petards, Hamlet plans to outdo them and go even deeper than their minds, and that would be tunnels used to attack a town rather than our more modern landmines, and he will blow his erstwhile friends to the moon. Hamlet is enjoying the idea. He's delighted at the thought of what will happen when his plans and theirs coincide. Oh, tis most sweet when in one line two crafts directly meet, since he assumes his superior intellect will certainly defeat theirs. In the meantime, there's still the issue of Polonius's body. Hamlet acknowledges it now and agrees that this man shall set me packing. It's essential that he get moving now for England even faster, since he's now guilty of the man's death. Whatever about the brazen cheek of his staged performance earlier in the evening, the killing of Claudius's most senior minister all but guarantees that he must leave Elsinore as quickly as possible. He explains to Gertrude that he will lug the guts into the neighbour room. He'll take the body next door. And with that, he bids her good night again. He can't resist another comment about poor Polonius, though. Indeed, this counsellor is now most still, most secret and most grave, who was in life a foolish prating knave. Polonius, very possibly based on the real Lord Burley, could never shut up while he was alive, always talking and seldom getting to the point. A foolish prating knave. But now, as Hamlet ruefully notes, he is most still, most secret, and, a little play on words, most grave. A normal Shakespearean scene if such a thing even exists, would likely end with a rhymed couplet as the character exits. We'd have grave and knave, and Hamlet would be gone out the door. But of course this is anything but normal, and the lead character is literally dragging the body of another principal out the door, in not a particularly respectful manner. This is going to take time on stage, of course, and so Shakespeare fleshes it out with even more words. Hamlet says, Come, sir, to draw toward an end with you. It's yet another gag. Even in death, Hamlet continues the jokey, endless wordplay with his former sparring partner. He's literally drawing the body out of the room and puns about drawing a conclusion. The scene has been so volatile, so disturbing and so crazy, it's no surprise that it ends in such a peculiar tone. Just as he reaches the door, as I see it at least, there's one final acknowledgement of Gertrude as she's left to try to process all of this insanity. So Hamlet calls out a final, Good night, mother although she surely is going to have anything but a good night. And with that, the scene and the act are over. As usual, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate your company. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, all of them at Hamlet Podcast. You can check out the website, thehamletpodcast.com. And of course, keep an eye out for another bonus episode to accompany the conclusion of this entire scene. I'll speak to you next time.